0: Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. I really hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a good one. We're going to be discussing how does a person become a Christian. I had the idea for this episode because I realized that, yeah, I mean, this is a Christian podcast where I do talk about Christian things, but there may be people out there who are interested in the Christian faith, but don't really know how to go about it. It might seem really foggy to them, or maybe you want to know more what it's all about. Just in general, how does a person even become a Christian? Well, today, if that's you, then this episode is definitely for you, because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. So let's get right to it. So to understand how to become a Christian, I think it's important to first know what the term Christian even means. And if you read Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the origin of the word Christian came from the city of Antioch in the first century AD. The word basically means little Christ, but today many people who believe in Jesus Christ use the word to identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. So that's basically what the word means. It is a person who follows Jesus Christ. Next, why should I become a Christian? In Mark chapter 10 verse 45, Jesus said that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for everyone. So then you might be wondering, why do we need to be ransomed? The idea of a ransom is a payment that must be made in exchange for the release of a person. You'll normally hear this word when there's a kidnapping, for example, and when someone is kidnapped, they're held prisoner, and they won't let that person go until a ransom is paid for the person's release. So Jesus paid our ransom to free us from bondage. But bondage from what? Bondage to sin and its consequences. Humanity is plagued with sin. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and therefore worthy of judgment from God. If you don't know what sin is, it's described as breaking God's law, or a rebellion against him. Sin started with Lucifer, and he was one of the most beautiful and most powerful of all angels, and he wasn't content with his position. He wanted to be greater than God, and that was his downfall, his pride. And that was the beginning of sin. Later he was named Satan and he brought sin to the human race in the Garden of Eden where he tempted God's first man and woman, Adam and Eve, with the same bait, you will be like God. And if you read in Genesis chapter 3, it describes Adam and Eve's rebellion against God and his command. And since that time, sin has passed down through all the generations of mankind, and we as Adam's descendants have inherited sin from him. When Adam sinned, his inner nature was transformed by his sin, and it brought about spiritual death. And spiritual death is a separation from God. That's why when we're born into the world, we're not automatically aware and praising God for all that he has done. We've all been separated from God and from his love because of sin. Now, a lot of people don't like this word, sin, or being called a sinner, because it does sound depressing. But in proper terms, the word sinner isn't a moralistic designation or judgment, but it's actually a relational word, meaning you're a sinner not based on your morals. It's a word that's used to describe how do we relate to God. Everyone who is separated from God through sin is a sinner. Sinner defines the broken state of one's relationship with God. So sinners are those who have broken God's law. But why should we even care so much about God's law? Why should we even submit to God's authority? Why does it all matter? Some people have no problem with this, and some people struggle with this or reject it entirely. And these responses usually have something to do with a person's early experience with authority and figuring out who should we believe, and it's really difficult if we're filled with doubt. I just want to say in this moment that biblical faith is based on knowledge, not blind obedience like some people think. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 10, the Apostle Paul says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not stopped praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the more we know, the better able we are to walk by faith. Dealing with doubt is a part of what it means to be mature in the faith. It takes courage to doubt. But the most important thing is this. Rather than just giving up, you should be specific about what is bothering you and you should gather the will to look for the answers. Learn to doubt your doubts so that it will not overpower anything else in your life. Learn to doubt your doubts so that they won't overpower everything else in your life. Okay, so going back to the question... Why should we submit to God's authority? Why should we care so much about his law and all that stuff? Well, his law is written in the Bible. The Bible is very, very, very important to Christians. The whole Bible, complete with stories and poems and wisdom and prophecy, it's not just full of rules. And it isn't primarily about us either. It's about God and what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do in the world and for all of eternity. It is from God to humans and studying it directs us to the world God both created and redeemed. It allows us to live wisely and that's why it's a compass. It isn't a rule book, it's a compass. (laughs) So if God makes himself known through the Bible and if the Bible is true, then obedience to what the Bible says is of the most highest importance. I can go through this in more depth in another episode if this genuinely is interesting to people, but I'm just going to keep moving on from now. So Jesus paid our ransom, and he did that by dying on the cross for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so how could Jesus' death sufficiently pay for all of our sins? This was because Jesus was God in human form. God came to earth to become one of us so that he could identify with us and die for our sin. John chapter 1, verse 1, and then later in verse 14 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So since Jesus was God in human form, his death was incredibly valuable and it was enough to pay for the sins of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he didn't sin, and the since the wages of sin is death. Having someone who never sinned die for everyone who has sinned was enough. Then in the Bible, it says that Jesus was to raise from the dead after three days. And when he did rise again, it demonstrated that his death was sufficient enough. And it was a sufficient sacrifice because he had truly conquered sin and death. I know that there are plenty of questions that may come up from this. Like, why should I care about God's authority? Does the Bible even mean anything? What is the Trinity? How can we believe in the resurrection? And so much more. I completely understand. And I can definitely try to talk about it more if people are interested in that in further episodes. But I would actually encourage you to research it for yourself. And there are so many resources out there that can help you. The topic that we're talking about is called apologetics. I would recommend books like Understanding the Faith by Jeff Myers anything by Ravi Zacharias, R.C. Sproul, William Lane Craig, and Norman Geisler. They're all great places to start if you want to learn more. But for now, let's just get back to the question, how can I become a Christian? Now, this is the best part. Because of God's incredible love for us, he didn't want us to be separated from him forever. He made it very simple to become a Christian. All you have to do is receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And by fully accepting that, yes, he died for me, he died for you, he he died for everyone on the cross for our sins and that it was sufficient. Fully trust in him alone as our saviour. Becoming a Christian isn't about rituals or rules or going to church or doing certain things while not doing others. It's not restrictive in the sense. It's not going to limit your fun or your freedom. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's basically it. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. That's exactly what makes someone a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less. So sure, you may have doubts. I completely understand that. Everyone has doubts. You may be unsure or you might still have plenty of unanswered questions. But like I said earlier, don't give up. Have the will and the strength to look for the answers in the right places. Doubt your doubts. Learn what you can. And if you're ready to become a Christian by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, all you have to do is believe. Do you understand and believe that you have sinned and are worthy of judgment from God? Do you understand and believe that Jesus took your punishment upon himself, dying in your place? Do you understand and believe that his death was the sufficient sacrifice to pay for your sins? If your answers are yes to all of these, then simply place your trust in him. Receive him by faith, fully trusting in him alone. That's all it takes to become a Christian. If you have decided to put your faith in Jesus, then congratulations, it's a life-changing decision, but If you're a new Christian, you might be wondering, okay, well, now what? What do I do now? Well, to end this episode, I'm just going to quickly lay out five simple steps that can give you direction on what to do now, now that you've started your journey with God. Number one, make sure you understand salvation. And the key points to this are these. A, Romans chapter three, verse 23 says that all have sinned. We have all done things that are displeasing to God. B, because of our sin, we deserve to be punished with eternal separation from God. C. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. His resurrection proved that his death was enough to pay for our sins. D. God grants forgiveness and salvation to all those who place their faith in Jesus and that his death was the payment for our sins. And E, the Holy Spirit comes to reside permanently within you at the moment of faith. He assures us of being with God forever and he teaches us God's word and empowers us to live according to it. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. That's it. Your sins are forgiven and God promises to never leave you or forsake you. Your salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. And if you're trusting in Jesus alone as your Lord and Savior, you can have confidence that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. Number two. Find a good church that teaches the Bible. Now, the church isn't an actual building. It's the people in the building. (laughs) It's important that Christians fellowship with one another, and it's one of the main purposes of going to church. The second purpose of going to church is that you learn how to apply God's word to your life. A church should be teaching the Bible. Understanding the Bible is key to living a successful and powerful Christian life. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16-17 to says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And the third purpose of church is worship. Worship is basically thanking God for all that he's done. He saved us, he loved us, and he provides for us daily. So how can we not thank him? He's holy, righteous, loving, merciful, and full of grace. Number three, set aside time each day to focus on God. This is what most people call a quiet time or devotions. Some people set aside time in the mornings while others prefer evenings, but it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you regularly spend time with God. This could look like a variety of different things. For example, it could be prayer and prayer is just talking to God, telling him about your concerns and problems, asking him for wisdom and guidance, asking him to provide for your needs and telling him how much you love him and appreciate everything that he does for you. That's basically prayer. Another thing would be Bible reading. It's important to read the Bible for yourself. Read it in a translation that's easiest for you to understand. I have a whole episode on this called Four Questions About the Bible. Definitely listen to that one. The Bible contains everything you need to know in order to live a successful Christian life. How to make wise decisions, know God's will, how to minister to others, and how to grow spiritually, for example. Number four. Develop relationships with people who can help you spiritually. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. The Bible is full of warnings about the influence of spending lots of time with people who do things that don't please God. For example, let's just say swearing. Swearing is definitely a sin. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building someone up in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. Or James chapter 3 verses 9 to 12, which says, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. So, From that, we should know that Christians shouldn't be characterized by foul speech. Our speech will always indicate what's in our hearts. So when we swear, we're giving an evidence of the sin that might still be in our hearts. When we put our faith in Christ, our hearts are transformed. So our speech should reflect the new nature that God has created within us. So by hanging out with people who swear a lot, it might rub off on you and you might find that you might start swearing a lot too. That's why it's important to surround yourselves with other people who love the Lord and are committed to him. It's important to have people around you who can help you and encourage you always. Lastly, number five, be baptized. To baptize means to immerse in water. It's the biblical way of publicly proclaiming your new faith in Christ and your commitment to follow him. The action of baptism illustrates being buried with Christ and then Christ's resurrection. Being baptized is identifying yourself with Jesus' death, Burial and resurrection. Baptism, though, isn't what saves you. Baptism doesn't wash away your sins. It's just a public step of obedience, publicly telling everyone of your faith and your commitment to Jesus. Okay, that's it. I tried to breeze through those five steps as quickly as I can. I hope this episode is somewhat... Helpful. I hope that it does actually explain how to become a Christian, how to get started on your journey as a new Christian, and yeah, just remember they're not a list of requirements in order to become a Christian or how to stay a Christian. Ultimately, you have been saved by grace through faith, apart from any works of your own. You can't work your way to heaven, you can't do certain things in order to get to heaven. God started the work in you and He promises to finish it. All you need to do, bottom line, is just Put your faith in Jesus. Believe that he died for you, and that's enough. So I pray today that God blesses you as you continue to mature in faith. And I hope that you'll have a faith-filled, wonderful, joyful week, and I will see you next time. Bye.